All right, brothers, welcome back to another episode of Porn of the Gospel. I am your host, and it's good to be here with you. My name is Spencer Sutton. I hope you're doing well. Uh, if this is the first time that you're hearing this podcast, welcome. Uh, really glad you're here. And um, I really do appreciate when when people will shoot me an email, ask a question. So if you have something that has been on your mind, and maybe you haven't been able to talk to anybody, you don't feel like you could talk to somebody about it, don't hesitate to shoot me an email. I'm more than happy to listen, and um, yeah, we'll try to help you any way I can. You can email me, spencer at naturalpornkiller.com. Uh, would love to hear from you. And one more thing, if you want to like be around a group of like-minded men. These are all men who are striving to live a life of sexual purity that honors the Lord. Um, and if you want to be a part of guys who are uh, who are striving, who are uh, making every effort in this fight uh, for sexual purity, you want to join us, then head over to themanofvalor.com and you can find out what that's about. We'd love to have you. We have our calls every Tuesday night. And then we engage with each other throughout the week on a couple of different platforms that makes it real easy to hear each other's voice uh, and then to post different things that will be an encouragement to brothers, give different resources. We would love to have you join us. So if you want to, check it out. All right, here we go, guys. I was uh, just thinking about this uh, here recently as I was actually preparing for... Uh, our group, our group called this past Tuesday night. I was just thinking about this idea of focus and this idea of like getting laser focused on something. And I was really thinking about it just in my daily work, um, how, uh, you know, and, and if you read um, a book by James Clear called Atomic Habits. He talks a lot about focusing. There's a lot of different books that will talk about focusing, but I was thinking about it also from a spiritual standpoint, how important it is and when, and when brothers in Christ, when we get serious about fighting sin in our life, there has to be some level of focus. And what that focus means is when when you focus, you're not adding more things to your plate. It's it's not as if you go, hey, I want to focus on um, I want to focus on sexual purity. And so therefore I need to add all of these things to my life. It's mainly about what are the things you need to let go of. Focus requires that you get very serious about what needs to stay in your life and what needs to go in your life. Now, before you before you have focus, you have to have a desire to have focus. Like there has to be some desire to achieve something worthy of cutting other things out of your life. And so when we think about it from a man's perspective, a, a child of God, if we have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ and we truly believe that living a life of sexual integrity is honoring to the Lord, and we truly do believe that the Lord is Lord of our lives, then what wouldn't we give up for that? Because it's not as if you can do two things at once. You can't serve the world and serve the Lord. 
we we see this throughout scripture. It, guess what? It doesn't work. As a matter of fact, the psalmist in Psalm 119, 113 says this, I hate the double-minded, but I love your law. The psalmist said that. I hate the double-minded, but I love your law. And the double-minded man proves that he doesn't have a singular focus on loving the Lord or loving the Word of God. He can't stay focused on God long enough to get an undivided heart. Like He has to keep going back and forth from doing good works to a life of sin, back and forth, back and forth, no stability. And so as I was thinking about this, I started looking up some different passages and one of the ones that I came to was 2 Kings 17. And this is what it says about the people of Israel. Starting in verse 6, it says, In the ninth year of Hosea, the king of Assyria captured Samaria, and he carried the Israelites away to Assyria and placed them in Halah, on the harbor, the river of Gozan, and in the city of the Medes. And this occurred because the people of Israel had sinned against the Lord their God, who had brought them up out of the land of Egypt from under the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and had feared other gods and walked in the customs of the nations whom the Lord drove out before the people of Israel and in the customs that the kings of Israel had practiced. And this is the key verse, guys. Listen to this, verse 9. And the people of Israel did secretly against the Lord their God the things that were not right. They built for themselves high places in, in all of their towns, from watchtower to fortified city. They set up for themselves pillars of ashram on every high hill and under every green tree. And they served idols, of which the Lord had said to them, You shall not do this. Get this. They did secretly against the Lord the things that were not right. But but guys, this is what John Piper says. John Piper says, the next time you sin in secret, consider this. There is no secret. There is no secret, guys. There is no secret. We live before the face of God. We live before the face of God. Listen to this in 1 Kings 18. This is, here we have Elijah in verse 20, so Ahab sent to all the people of Israel and gathered the prophets together at Mount Carmel. And Elijah came near to all the people and said, how long will you go on limping between two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people did not answer him a word. So get this. They were called out by Elijah for limping between God and idolatry. Limping. And this is this is the way I would describe the man who on the outside wants to appear he has everything put together in his life and then secretly he is sinning in sexual sin not telling anybody, not confessing his sin, scared of being found out, continuing down this path, not seeking help, limping, no strength, no spiritual backbone. And, and when Elijah called them out, what was their response? They didn't have a response. They couldn't defend themselves, so they didn't say anything. 
And so as I was thinking about this, it's it's very evident that when you and I are living a life, we forfeit leadership before the Lord. Where, where were the leaders? Where were the leaders calling the people out? It was Elijah alone. And so you and I may be a leader in title, but not a leader before God. It's possible to be a leader in title and a leader before men, but not before God. And if you're a leader before men in your spiritual realm, in your spiritual domain, you're a leader before men, and yet you're not before, you're not, not sinless before the Lord, but you're not living a life of transparency and humility before the Lord, a, a life of confessing sin and a life of accountability, then you have no leadership. And I would say, men, brothers, I want to say this with as much gentleness as I possibly can because I know the struggle. There are many of you out there right now who are listening to this podcast who are in positions of leadership, you have this incredible opportunity to be used, be called on by your church, the local body of Christ, to serve in some capacity, in some leadership position. I implore you, get right with the Lord. Get right with the Lord. Repent. Confess. Go before leadership. I have a friend who recently had been called on to lead in his church. And so one of the things that he did was he asked all of us who are uh, accountability partners with him, is this a wise thing to do? And he has struggled with sexual sin. And he also went up to all of the the leaders who were like putting this, this you know, group together, this Thing that they wanted him to serve on, and he went to them, the people who were in charge of the search, uh, of gathering this group of, of men to lead, and, the, and he told them, this is what I've struggled with. I want to be very, very open and honest with you, but I'm, I'm also fighting against it. I, I have th- these things in place. I'm talking to my wife about it. I'm, I have brothers in my life. Like, to, In my opinion, this was the right way to go about it. This is the right way to go about it because ultimately, guys, what we want, we don't want titles. We want the Lord to work in our midst. That's what we want. I don't care about a title. All I care about is that the Lord is working. And if we're secretly sinning and publicly proclaiming that everything's okay, we are limping between two opinions. James puts it a little bit more stoutly. He says in chapter four, verse three, you ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions, you adulterous people. Now he had just been calling these brothers, these believers brothers, and now he calls them adulterous people, same audience, Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is is to no purpose that the Scripture says he yearns jealously 
over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and draw. he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. You double-minded. You be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Now, in, in these passages, there's both a warning and great grace. It says, he gives more grace. Guys, the grace that the Father gives us through Jesus Christ covers all of our sins. Covers all of our sins. Like, if you're a true believer and follower of Christ, and, and I know, listen, years of porn use will, will drag you into despair where you even doubt if you're a believer or not. I get it. I got an email this past week. Uh, a, a brother was expressing the same thing, what his... What this this decades long struggle has has done to him, it's literally taken away his assurance of salvation. And so I get that. But James is saying God gives more grace. Therefore, therefore, if you and I submit to the Lord, He gives grace to the humble. If we submit, if we if we humble ourselves. Guys, we cannot afford to be double-minded. There's too much at stake. Life is short. Life is very short. Last weekend, Allison and I, my wife and I, and our daughter went to two funerals on Saturday. Both of them relatively young. One just one year older than me, and one a little bit older than me. But uh, you know, one was fifty-three; the other one was seventy-two. Both unexpected. Like, how much time do we have? You don't know. I don't know. So, I want to read you something that I read about. Just, I was just thinking about the double double-minded man and and also how you and I can start off strong but this this life this Christian life is not about starting strong it's about endurance it is about faithfulness it's it's just about making it like having our eyes fixed on Christ no matter what comes at us no matter what happens in this world we continue trusting and having faith and guys listen i know like i have I have made I the I have almost shipwrecked my entire faith, but the Lord was gracious to me ten years ago. He was gracious. He was gracious to me, and so I want to read this article uh, from Desiring God. I was reading it this morning. It's by a, a guy named John Bloom, and this is how it starts off. The title of it is "What Happened to Demas." He says, we don't know. All we know is that some of the last words the Apostle Paul wrote before his Roman execution expressed a heartbreak. This is what Paul says in 2 Timothy 4.10. He says, Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Maybe Demas feared being executed with Paul and fled to safety, or maybe he succumbed to it immorality, or maybe he simply caved into the relentless temptation of a more comfortable, prosperous life in the large cosmopolitan 
pluralistic, wealthy, culturally interesting city of Thessalonica. Whatever it was, Paul saw it as embracing the world. But just a few sentences later, in his letter to Timothy, Paul says something very hope-giving. He says this in 2 Timothy 4.11, Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me for ministry. Remember Mark? He had been the first to desert the team. Back in the early days, during the first missionary trip with Paul and Barnabas, Mark took off from Pamphylia. Pamphylia, and returned home to Jerusalem, Acts 13, 13. Again, we don't know why, but Paul didn't approve. In fact, when Barnabas wanted to bring Mark back on the team after the Jerusalem council, Paul would have none of it. And you can read that in Acts 15, 37 through 40. They had such a this disagreement, they, they split up. It was really interesting. But here is Mark at the end of Paul's life, fully reconciled to and fully trusted by Paul and very useful in the gospel ministry. Demas and Mark serve as contrasts. One provides a word of warning, the other a word of hope. And as people who stumble in many ways, we need both. Demas began well. Four or five years earlier, during another imprisonment, Paul refers to Demas as a fellow worker in the gospel, Colossians 4.14, Philemon's 1.24. There was a time when Demas apparently chose, like Moses, to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. But he doesn't appear to end well. Having once fought alongside of Paul in kingdom battles, he seemed to have sided with the enemy. So the warning is this. From 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9, be sober-minded, be watchful. Our adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him firm in your faith. Brothers, our enemy is very real and he is very crafty. He threatens and seduces. And even those who start strong and are leaders like Demas are susceptible to his de deception. Mark, on the other hand, gives us hope. He had a weak start. He didn't appear to have the right stuff. He disappointed his leaders and friends by leaving them to bear the heat of battle while he went home. But Mark ended well. At some point, he rejoined the battle and proved a faithful, trusted, useful warrior. And if tradition is correct, the Lord even used him to contribute a gospel to the New Testament canon. So this is the hope. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles, and they shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not be, not be faint. Let us then be on our guard. We live with indwelling sin that is inclined towards insanity, because it is inclined to believe lies that lead to our destruction. When we are feeling powerful, when we are feeling the powerful pull of worldly temptation, we need to take Paul's exhortation very seriously. But as for you, O oh man of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called. We don't know the last word on Demas. I hope that he repented in the end. But because of Mark, we know that failure doesn't have to be the last word for us. Rather, may our last word be, but I received mercy. And whatever may have happened in the past, let us resolve to pursue Jesus as our treasure 
and seek to live lives of useful service for him from this day forth. Brothers, no matter how double-minded you have been in your life, there is hope. There is hope. But I'm afraid, I'm afraid if you remain in hiding, if you remain in secret, if you remain secretly doing the things that the Lord would not approve of, if you continue limping between this world, the pleasures of this world, and pretending to be somebody that you're not, Brothers, I, I fear fear that it's that it doesn't end well, that we we lose, we forfeit this incredible opportunity to serve the Lord while we're alive. And I want nothing more than that for you and for your family. And if you're young and you don't have a family, you could be 16, 17, 18 years old listening to this. Brothers, repent before it's too late. Think of this. Think of this. Think what Paul says here. He says, when he talks to Timothy in this first Timothy, he says, flee these things, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Brothers, you cannot pursue these things while you hold on to everything else. You have to take a very sobering look at your life. And you have to say, what is necessary and what is a complete waste of my time? What is what is necessary? Well, there's several things that are necessary, right? I've, I've got work. I have to work. I, I'm being paid a salary to accomplish a job at a very ambitious company. So this is, I have to go to work. And, and this is a blessing. This is from the Lord. Like God in his grace allows me to work and gives me the health to do it. So that can't be stopped. But what else, what in my free time needs to be cut out so that I can take advantage and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness? What needs to leave my life so that I can Fight the good fight of faith. What is it? What is what is it for you? Let us live a life that in the later years we are more like Mark and not like Demas. And it, it all begins, as with everything else spiritually in our lives, it all begins with grace. And then it moves from grace a prompting of the Holy Spirit to the mind. And this is where you and I take responsibility for our thought life and from the actions that arise from our thought life. Because you and I are always going to be doing something based on what we're thinking, based on what we're believing, based on the stories we tell ourselves. And this is why Paul says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. So what are the things that you and I are doing in our life today? If you had to examine your day, if you got to the end of each day this next week, 
let's say tomorrow's Monday. At the end of Monday, I had to write down on a piece of paper in my spare time what did I did what did I do that was that had the opportunity to conform me to the world. And then how did I transform? How did I renew my mind today? Probably one of the greatest examples of taking this very seriously that that we'll ever read about is an old, old um, gentleman, old pastor, theologian, Jonathan Edwards. Um, he He wrote these things called resolutions back when he started when he was 19, actually. He started writing these resolutions when he was 19. So if you're out there and you're listening to me and you're 19 years old, you're 20 years old, he worked on these a lot. And I think at the end of the day, I don't know exactly how many, I want to say close to 70, maybe 70 resolutions in all in total. But I just want to read some of them to you because he was a, this was a perfect example of taking the commands of the Lord seriously and saying, okay, like I, I can't just think about them. I desire to obey them. So this means that I need to remind myself of these things all of the time. All the time. I can't stop. I got to remind myself all the time. My wife and daughter and I were talking about that this morning, how forgetful we are. We forget all the time. We need the gospel every single day. And so these are some of his resolutions. I just want to read a few of them to you. Resolved. Resolution number six, resolved to live with all my might while I do live. In other words, he was not going to take this life for granted. He said another one, this is resolution 22, resolve to endeavor to obtain for myself as much happiness in the other world, this is heaven, as I possibly can with all the power, might, vigor, vehemence, yea, violence I am capable, capable of or can bring myself to exert in any way that can be thought of. In other words, I am going to do everything I can to honor the Lord and to store up for myself treasures in heaven. Everything I possibly can. Resolution number five, resolved never to lose one moment of time, but to improve it the most profitable way I possibly can. I'm not even going to comment on that because it's so convicting for me to think about wasting time. Resolution number seven, resolved never to do anything which I should be afraid to do if it were the last hour of my life. Resolution 17, resolved that I will live so as I shall wish I had done when I come to die. <laughs> Another one, just like it. Verse, uh, resolution 19, resolved never to do anything which I should be afraid to do if I expected it would not be above an hour before I should hear the last trumpet. I could go on, brothers, but I'm not going to. I just I want to I just want to encourage you. Like this is this is what I see in so many men, and myself included. I'm I'm not saying this is not me as well, but I see in so many men who are struggling with sexual sin is that they say they want one thing, but they do something else. And I just want to encourage you, examine your life, examine your life. We were having our call on Tuesday. And a brother, uh, man, he just had this incredible, you know, he, he, he was confessing to us. We were talking about it and I was 
giving him some thoughts and I asked him, how do you process this? Like I hear you talking about like understanding your, your, all the things that you're struggling with, all, all the stories and everything. How are you processing this? And he said, I said, are you just like talking to yourself? And he said, yeah. I said, I want you to do something. I want you to take out a pen and a piece of paper and I want you to write down these thoughts. Brothers, I want to encourage you to write down the things that you are wrestling with. Write down. You should you should become a student of yourself. Understand yourself. Understand the depravity of your own heart. How sinful you really are. Do not sugarcoat it. Be very, very clear about it. Be very, very honest. And then guess what? What an opportunity to pray for power from God, from the Spirit, to fight sin. What an opportunity to pray, to pray, to pray. When you look and when you think and when you write and when you are taking very seriously how sinful we are, or you are, and I am, what an opportunity to pray. All right, brothers, man, I just, um, let me close in a prayer. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for me. Lord, your word says that you hate the double-minded, but the psalmist says, I love your law. Lord, I just pray, Father, I pray, I pray, I pray that you would give us a focused and resolute mind and heart for you. I, I know that we're all going to sin in many different ways, but Father, may we never make that excuse. May we never stop striving and working and making every effort, Lord, making every effort to put our mind, put our mind, like offer it to you through prayer and through meditation on your word and through praying through your word and studying your word. God, I just pray that the men who are listening to this right now, who are struggling so bad and who have like no dedicated quiet time with you, Lord, I pray that you would draw them in, that you would give them the ability to say no to all the other things. And two, for a period of time, every single day, I just pray that you would give them the ability to focus on you that they would remove all distractions and focus on you, God. Give them, by your grace, the power to do this. Lord, there's, there's nothing else in life more important than our relationship with you. So, Lord, I just pray that you would bring it to our hearts. Like, make it... <clears throat> Give us a hungering and a thirsting for righteousness. Give us a hungering and a thirsting for your ways, Lord. And then fill us. Like Give us joy in you. Give us peace in you. Give us purpose in you. Give us power in you, Father. And I just pray for every man that's listening, that's struggling, that's struggling right now with this horrible um, thing that we're talking about every single time I get on here. It's just sexual sin, Father. So frustrating and so demoralizing. It's so shameful, God. I know that every man here feels shame if they're listening and they're struggling with this. God, I just pray that you would deliver them and give them freedom so that they could find true joy in you.
In Christ's name I pray, amen. All right, guys, I will be back next time with another episode of Porn of the Gospel.